morning. How's everybody doing? I forgot how much I liked that song. Man, just something about that, singing the gospel together. Uh, oh, praise the name. Just, man, it's really strong. Um, anybody have a song stuck in your head today? I want to see if my experiment worked. Austin might have done too good of a job. He might have, he might have erased my opening illustration a little bit. Anybody? What was it? It's a small world, that's right. There was an annoying song playing on purpose. Nobody give Tony a dirty look back there. It was my fault. Uh, there, was a, there was that annoying song, It's a Small World, playing over and over and over between, for, for about eight minutes before the service started. Just to remind you what it's like to have a song stuck in your head, as if, as if you needed a reminder, right? We've often had that experience, and usually it's kind of an annoying song in some way. I don't know why the good ones don't stick in our head. It's always those annoying ones that have that repeating hook. I remember one at camp from a few years ago when I used to work with students, and it was the song that never ends. Anybody know that one? It's like, oh, man, <laughs> please stop. Every, every cafeteria lunch break, it was that song, as loud as could be. It's a little bit better when you get a song stuck in your head that's about God. You know, I hope some, sometimes some of these songs stick in your head and they stay with you during the week because as you sing these songs, you're singing scripture, you're singing truth about God, you're singing truths about how, how he relates to you, how he, how he loves you, how he's merciful to you, just the truth about who he is and what he's done. Having those stuck in your head, that can be pretty good. Words and melodies help us to, to meditate and reflect on Scripture. But if that's as far as it goes, if you just get a song stuck in your head and nothing else ever happens, if you just have these words and, and melodies stuck in your head and they don't ever move to your heart or into action, then there's something lacking. If that's as far as it goes, we're falling short of the true definition of worship. You know, we're in this series, Knowing the Heart of God, and today we're going to look at Psalm 96. And this psalm gives us a true declaration of what worship should look like, of what worship is. It shows us that true worship goes from head to heart to action, like I already said. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the privilege of worship, for the privilege of having this chance to just soak you up to be in your presence, to know the truth of who you are, to experience you, and to reflect that back to you, to reflect it in a way that the world sees it, to reflect it in a way that leads to action in our lives as we seek to be more and more obedient to you. The more we know you, the more we understand our need for you, the more we want to worship you and serve you and obey you. God, it's just an incredible opportunity that we have to relate to you. And I pray that something about what your word says today would open our hearts to seeing that in a new way, or maybe to living it in a new way this next week. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start by reading the entire psalm. It's not that long, but it's Psalm 96. If you want to find that in your uh, Bible, there's some underneath the seats in front of you, or in the, in the little cage, you can find one. Uh, psalm 96 says, O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. 
But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Now we're going to look at six key words today. Six key words related to worship. I'm normally a three points and a, and a story kind of guy. So this is like going to be twice as long. But um, no, not really. Six, six key words related to worship. The first word is sing. We just got to experience that together. Sing. In verses 1 and 2, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Three times in the first verse and a half, we are told to sing. So this isn't just an idea cooked up by musicians to have something to do on Sunday. This isn't just a way for us to fill some time before the, the real part happens with the message. Singing is something that God has created for us to have a way to express things about him and to him in a corporate way. You know, music is like, it touches your soul in a different way, doesn't it? And when something gets stuck in your head musically, it can really stay there a long time. It can, trigger, it can be triggered by a memory, by a smell, uh, by a thought. God created music, and it's such an incredible tool for us to relate to him. And he created it for that purpose. And so when we say sing, it's not just this sort of, okay, we got, we got some time to kill here before we get to the message. This is really a way for you to connect with God. So I would encourage you, if you're a non-singer, try it sometime. You can sing quietly if you don't want anyone to hear you. But we're a pretty singing church. So you could sing pretty loud and you'd still kind of be covered up and that'd be okay. Uh, but... It's, it's, not, it's not this performance thing that we've created it to be in our mind. It's a way for us to connect to God on a, on a soul level, on a spiritual level, with a gift that he's given us in singing. So this word literally means, it's more than just singing a song. It literally means taking a stroll. So music takes us on this journey. Singing these words takes us on a journey with God. It's to have a song in your heart in the everyday moments of your life. It says to sing a new song, which, which doesn't mean we're supposed to sing a brand new song every week. It's more about the experience of freshness in your relationship with God. It's a freshness in your walk with God. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. There's something new for you to experience about him every day. And so when it says have a new song, it's to be on this stroll, on this journey with God that's a fresh each and every day journey. Because you can never completely know God. So as we pursue our relationship with Him, we will constantly experience new, fresh understandings of who He is and what He has done. Let me say that again. You can never completely know God. So as we pursue our relationship with Him, we will constantly experience new, fresh understandings of who He is and what He has done. This abiding relationship that we talk about all the time, 
it leads naturally to worship. As we go through life, this idea of singing a new song actually means to have that fresh perspective because of our growing relationship with him. And in doing that, we join all of creation. We draw attention to his name. Our relationship with God literally sings. That's what he's talking about here. Sing to the Lord. And it leads to our second word, which is bless. Right after the singing, he just simply says, bless his name. You know, it seems odd to think about our actions, especially our singing, you know, some of you more than others, but um, as something that would bless God, right? Maybe you don't think anything you could do would bless God. What does it mean to bless his name? It's to bring honor to his name. Again, this is more than just singing some words in a song. It's to recognize God's great worth and to give him the honor that only he deserves. To bless his name is to give him the honor that only he deserves. You know, our society gives honor to so many things. Or we have so many things trying to take honor to, to be noticed. You know, you look at magazine covers. You, you have the Oscars. And what do they talk about for days? It's what so-and-so wore on the red carpet. That's all about gaining honor for yourself. Um, our society has it all backwards. Blessing God's name is to understand the honor that he deserves and to let it be known. Bless his name. And you can only do that by moving on to our next keyword, which is to declare. And starting in the end of the second verse, it says, Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So what are we declaring? Well, there's a pretty good list there. We've got his salvation, glory, marvelous works, greatness, the reality of who he is, his power, his unmatched splendor, his majesty, strength, and beauty. Not a bad list. Here's an important part of the declaring bit, though. Who are we declaring these things about God to? He says, among the nations, among all the peoples. So here's another place we kind of get it wrong sometimes. Worship is not meant to be contained in this room. In an hour block of your time on Sunday. I know you've heard that before. It's not meant to be contained in a church service. It's meant to be declared to the nations. What we do when we meet is super important. There's something supernatural about gathering in God's presence together each week. What we just experienced even before I came up here uh, for the message, it touched my heart in a, a special way just singing those words together. Praise the name and singing that gospel message. But if we box our understanding of worship up to mean a few songs that we may or may not sing on Sunday, we've really missed the point. There is no greater way to share the life-changing truth of Jesus than worship that is lived out and unapologetically declares the greatness of God in all aspects of our lives. That's another wordy one. Let me read it again. There's no greater way to share the life-changing truth of Jesus than worship that is lived out and unapologetically declares the greatness of God in all aspects of our lives. It's, that's the declaring. It's who you are everywhere you go. It's, it's, worship is not a musical category. It, it's not a channel on the radio. It's not a few songs on a Sunday. It's a life 
that you live that reflects the glory of who God is and what he's done in your life. (laughs) Why does this happen to me every time? And that's because it, it leads us to our next word. Recognize. The next word, recognize. It's implied in several places. In verse 7, recognize his glory and strength. In verse 8, recognize the glory to his name. In verse 9, recognize his holiness and tremble. Verse 13, recognize that he will come again and judge all. And your versions, the one I read, uses the word ascribe, which I really like, this word ascribe. The word worship actually means to ascribe worth. I mentioned before we live in a world that honors all the wrong things, honors people for all the wrong reasons, people that are seeking glory for themselves. We live in a world full of blustering and bragging and social media, look at me, culture. LeBron James has a tattoo across his chest that says chosen one. I mean, yeah. Uh, Think about Twitter and Facebook and all the self-celebrating that those platforms promote. And here's the thing about God. This is really interesting. The most loving thing that God can do is draw attention to himself. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? That's because we don't understand a pure motivation. When we draw attention to ourselves, it's always messed up in some way. But when God draws attention to himself, when God gets the glory he deserves, it's the most loving thing that he can do. It's the most important thing that we can do is to point people toward who he is and what he has done. Not to draw attention to ourselves. Ascribing worth to God simply points out the truth. It's not gross. It's not weird to point out all the great things about him. It's what worship is really about. The greatest gift that God gives us is the revelation of himself, and he did that when he became God in flesh, his son, Jesus, as Austin already talked about during worship. During, I'm not even going to say that. That's wrong. During music. <laughs> That'd be wrong. So exhausting anything else, drawing attention to anything else above God is twisted and wrong. God alone deserves the glory. God alone deserves the attention. God alone is worthy. I like that word ascribe because it goes one step further than just recognizing. It adds action to the recognition. And what is that action that it should lead us to take? Well, it's our next word. The next key word is offer. Offer. And it's right there in verses 8 and 9. It says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now, you don't need to reach back and hold onto your wallet. Not talking about money. To bring an offering is something completely different. Sometimes it involves finances. But to bring an offering, I think about the the verse in Romans 12, verse 1. It says, the Apostle Paul does an incredible job of fleshing out this meaning of worship and offering. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what do we offer? Everything. Everything. We are living sacrifices. We offer our full selves, all that we are and all that we have. Nothing about us is held back or exempt from his direction. Bring an offering. Bring yourself. Lay yourself down in order to serve him and to bring glory to him. We recognize who God is and what he has done, and it leads us to give him complete control of who we are and what we do. 
That's worship. Recognize who God is and what he has done. It leads us to give him complete control of who we are and what we do. That is worship. Yeah, I introduced Austin and Cammie earlier. We're excited to have them here with us for multiple reasons. But first of all, uh, I'm able to preach without leading music. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's always nice to be able to just do one thing and not both. Um, also, because they've been good friends of ours for almost 30 years. Uh, they actually introduced Jennifer and I on a blind date about 28 years ago. Um, I won't, we were getting together to watch Seinfeld on a Thursday night. <laughs> You know, all good blind dates uh, involved Seinfeld back then. Uh, but obviously, that's been a life-changing thing for me, <laughs> uh, to, to have that relationship. But the, the main reason that I'm excited about them being here today is that we've had the joy of watching and taking a small part in something that God led them to do called Worship Catalyst. And it's something that's been a big part of, of my life um, and I know anybody that's been on the worship team has, has read the book that Austin wrote a, a few years ago, uh, kind of about that journey and, and what it means to, to really lead a worship ministry. But they're an example of a family that has held nothing back in doing what God has called them to do. And <laughs> sorry, when I, when I get like this, humor is my way out of it, so you'll have to, you'll have to deal with that. But as a church... Common Ground is proud to support their efforts as part of our missions budget. So when you give in the offering, part of what you're giving goes directly to what Austin and Cami are accomplishing through Worship Catalyst. I'm going to have a song stuck in my head now. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Uh, so we wanted to give you an opportunity to hear what they're about, to hear what those uh, dollars are supporting and what God is doing. And so Austin and Cami are going to come up and share a little bit about Worship Catalyst for the next few minutes. See if I can make this work. There you go. Cool. You don't have to stand there. I know. No. Okay. <laughs> Hello. All right. I'm Austin, Cami, and uh, uh, thanks, Paul. Man, those are good words so far. Uh, all these words are awesome. The, by the way, the, when we took them out on their first blind date, uh, Cami and Jen hung out for a while later, and Paul and I started walking back towards our car which was parked like nine apartment buildings over. And uh, he goes, man, this may sound weird, but I think I could marry that girl. <laughs> Night one. It was awesome. So it's really great. And it worked out. Yeah, so totally committed. <laughs> <clears throat> every year, every year they sign a one-year agreement. <laughs> and so there are 20, 26 of them so far. Uh, just had number 26, right? Yeah, just like, what, three days ago. Yeah, awesome. We yeah, we got married. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because we got married on June 10th. They got married on June 17th. We came back from, our, we were in each other's weddings, all that kind of stuff, so go way back. Anyway, enough of that. So uh, this is our, a picture of our family. This is uh, our daughter, uh, Finley. She turns 17 here in another couple of months, and so, um, you know, our story of uh Worship Catalyst goes way back to uh, Houston, Texas, because uh, Cammy and I were living there. We were part of a church, and uh, it was really a fast-growing, great congregation, and uh, we were seeing hundreds of people come to faith in Christ through that, and we kept seeing, I, I just love that the, such a huge part of what Paul's even talking about this morning has to do with people who are far from God coming to faith in Jesus Christ, because that's why we were left on earth, is to share 
that there's a better way to live, right? And that is a life of Jesus. And we were seeing that happen and, and we kept seeing, we had like over a hundred people that were a part of our, you know, music and creative arts and all that kind of stuff. And, and what we kept seeing is that more, so many people would, would say, I came to faith in Jesus because I heard a song, you know, or I came to faith in Jesus because I saw a sketch or I came to faith in Jesus because that video was so good at like opening my heart to the word of God. And so as we saw that, we kind of stepped back in the middle of that and said, what is God asking us to do next? You know? And, um, so we started, uh, just kind of like, we, we sensed that God was saying, start something new. And, uh, I thought about planting a church for a while. She never was really down with that, but I thought about it. And so I start, I didn't know any church planners. So I started cold calling church planners in Arizona for, you know, I don't know why exactly Arizona, but, um, you Google stuff, you know, when you don't know what Jesus wants you to do, you just start go Google and Arizona and church planting and all that came up. So I started calling all these, uh, these pastors, these planners, church planners. And I was like, what is it? What is, um, would I be a good church planner? You know, like I was begging for affirmation and they were all like, no, you'd be terrible at church planting, but why don't you come out here and be my worship leader? And in fact, you can be the worship leader for 10 people, 10 churches. And the more we had these conversations, the more we realized that so much energy and focus is put into training pastors and uh, training churches and all that kind of stuff. But nobody was really putting the time into helping churches. Like when Derek was like, yeah, let's, let's start a church. There was nobody out there providing, um, you know, the kind of training and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, and help to Derek to help build a, a worship ministry that's effective at reaching its community for Christ. You know, because people like Paul Ingram don't grow on trees. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's kind of a unique, a unique person out there that you guys have the opportunity to have, but most church plants don't. So I, uh, at the time, had started a business in Houston, Texas. So we wrapped that up and headed out to Tucson, Arizona with our three-year-old and really just started helping churches in the area. I mean, 10 to 15 churches, probably between Tucson and the Phoenix area. And we started raising support in order to do that. Um, that was 14 years ago, and we still do that today. And, I mean, by God's blessing and mercy... Paul's going to get me started now too, but he has provided for us for every step of the way. Yeah. Um, and so we um, are thankful for that. And so individuals and churches like you guys who have come along and seen what we do and have chosen to give, um, we've done that for 14 years. And so it's been a really uh, an interesting journey for sure. Um, we started helping the 10 to 15 churches. It kind of started expanding and we both were like, how is this going to work? I mean, we can't we can't move to every place we're trying to help. And about that time, we met a pastor that had started a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he was like, hey, we need what you're doing in Las Vegas with all the churches that are starting there. And so we're like, okay. So we started going back and forth to Las Vegas. We're like, do we move to Vegas? Do we, what does this look like? And so that kind of took us on the next part of this journey. Austin's going to share. Yeah. So, um, we, there's a guy in Las Vegas, we were living in Tucson, a guy in Las Vegas who was like, hey, I want to do what you guys do here because we've got so many churches that need help. And so 
We're like, great. And so he started discipling worship leaders and training, you know, musicians and working with bands and helping technology and all that kind of stuff. And we figured out a way to replicate what we do uh, in new cities through, through great leaders. And so as it stands right now, we have 19 different regions around the United States that we have teams of people that help new churches and underserved churches to where their worship ministries can be, you know, can really evolve into something that's, that's great and helpful uh, for their community. Uh, and one of those is in um, Guatemala. Guatemala. I always get the Central American countries mixed up. I was not good at geography. Uh, Guatemala, great, awesome thing. And it's been, it's been great for us to have this opportunity to just to see God work all over the country. And they're actually helping us translate a lot of our teaching materials and training yes. into Spanish so that it can be replicated down there for sure. Yep. So that's been great. Um, so, and one of the things I, did I talk about the, never mind. I don't know. Scratch. Okay. I'll just, <laughs> never mind. Just aside. Um, so. I guess that kind of leads to like, what are we doing now? So in the last year, I would say we have really started concentrating on online resources because we've realized with the pandemic and just the nature of what everybody needs, they want materials and training at their fingertips when it's convenient for them. Yeah. And so we have really invested a lot of time, energy and attention into perfecting what we can provide online through video resourcing. We have a weekly podcast that's out on worship and there's a new Instagram TV video starting that it's two minutes on worship. It's gonna be every week and that starts in the next couple weeks probably. So we've really tried to just uh, make sure that everything's available online to, for everybody. And of course, we're still doing workshops and trainings and seminars. Um, we've been doing that for the last 14 years, but we do all of this and I don't know if this is what I didn't mention. We do all this because the church plants can't afford what we do. Yeah. And so when you're starting out in your new church, you don't have money to invest in, in these things. And so because people pay for us to be able to do this, we're able to provide these resources free of charges, free of charge to churches. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome. Hey, let me tell you a quick story and then we'll be done. Uh, thanks for the time. And uh, man, we're just so thankful for what you do. Let me tell you one little quick thing that is an example of when you give the kind of thing that can take place. There's a girl, there's a, one of the trainings that we have for worship leaders is called worship leader intensive. It's like a nine month, two semesters of college uh, of training for worship leaders. And there were a few people that came through our pilot class a couple of years ago or several years ago. And one of these girls name is Leah. So she came through and, um, you know, she kind of assembled back into her church when we, she was done with it. And, uh, one of their worship leaders or whatever. <clears throat> well, uh, so Common Ground Las Vegas was planting a church in Las Vegas uh, um, called Sunrise. And this guy, uh, Russ, is the pastor. He's getting ready to launch actually right now. Like they're meet, they met last week. I think they're doing like preview services. They'll launch in August. And he kept bugging me like, I need a worship leader. 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 And so I'm like, just pray, man. God will give you a worship leader. No, we did more than that. But we did say I'm just pray. And at the, you know what happened? So this girl, Leah, we just give her a call. Leah, you ready? You ready to roll? And she's like, for what? To be the worship leader for a church. And she's like, I don't know. Let's give it a shot. And so she shows up. She meets Russ. They start to talk. They get to know each other. They connect on like really uh, strong level. And turns out, like all of the stuff that we were able to invest in her, she is now investing in a team 
that's there at that new church. So when they start, they're going to start with a full band and the whole thing reaching their community because there was an opportunity for Leah, who was just a girl that on sound booth who could sing, got to go through nine months of training where she came out the other end ready uh, to, lead, to lead people uh, in worship for a church. So replicate people, all that kind of stuff. So I want to tell you that because like you are making a difference in cities all over the country, people you'll never know because you give. Okay. Now, one thing that because of this expansion, the stuff Cammie talked about with all our video training, we've actually brought somebody on our staff, on our team as video production person. She's been with us from the very beginning, but now we're actually paying her. Uh, and, um, and so there's a couple of things that we're expanding right now. One of them is our prayer team. All right. And there's a couple of flyers out here. Uh, on the info booth. Love, if you're interested at all, to grab a couple of these. One of them just says, here's what we do and how we do it. And the other one is actually what is a way to join a team. And that prayer team, you just get a couple of emails a, a, a month that say, hey, will you please just take a minute and pray for these two or three things for us? And that team is the biggest team that we have out of everything that we do is our prayer team because that's the most important thing that we do, right? You know, prayer is the work and then God works, you know? And then the other thing that's on this list here is we are raising financial partners as well, in addition to just churches as individuals. And maybe God's just said to you just over the last few minutes, hey, I can, I can help out some. You know, I can, I can give a little bit uh, to help out. We're looking for monthly and annual donors just to continue to build that base so that we can continue to, we, we, we've, we've been helping hundreds of churches a year for a really long time. But we believe God wants us to help thousands of churches a year as they get started to get the gospel sowed down deeper and deeper into these cities and uh, in these new places where churches are, not only in America, but all around the world. And so if God has just kind of touched you on that, we'd love for you uh, to consider being a partner, not only in prayer, but also in, in finances in addition to what Carson uh, City Common Ground already does. So anyway, we want to say thank you guys. We love you. I love how well you sing. I can tell Paul's a good worship leader because you guys sing your faces off, which is so good. And uh, keep doing that. And, um, and can I pray for you uh, before Paul comes and finishes? I just want to do that. Lord Jesus, um, thank you so much for your love and your heart for Carson City, Nevada, for Reno, for this whole area that you would put in a guy's heart and mind to start a church to reach people that don't know Jesus. And um, I want to thank you that all of the people in this room and everybody that's online and everybody that represents has said yes to being a part of that mission. And so, God, I want to pray that more than they've ever seen you work before, that you would work in this area, in this city, in this county, and that their influence would not just be here, but their, their influence would be all over the West and all over the world. I mean, every corner of the world would be impacted with lives that are changed because all these people said yes in Carson City, Nevada. We love you. We love what you're doing. We pray for more and more and more of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. It's exciting to know we get to have a part in that of, of hundreds or possibly thousands of churches and uh, the people that come to Jesus because of that. So excited we had a chance to hear that. Now, back to Psalm 96. 
right there in verse 10. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. It's the last key word. The word is say. Again, showing that our worship isn't just for us. It's not just about your experience. It's not just about some feeling on the back of your neck you get from a certain song. It's about something that leads you to action. Think about the words we've seen David give us. Sing, bless, declare, ascribe, offer, and say. He's not describing our current understanding of worship, the the understanding that most of the world operates from. Our understanding of worship a lot of times is limited to that singing portion of this weekly gathering. That definition wouldn't even be correct with the first word because he says sing, describing a journey, a lifestyle, not just the act of singing. There's a song a few years ago by Casting Crowns called Life Song, and I think the the hook line of this song really kind of has this idea encapsulated really well. It says, let my life song sing to you. Let my life song sing to you. We want to trap worship in our head because that doesn't really require anything of us. You know, to just sing along with some nice words and a song, maybe you remember it later, that doesn't really require anything. We come to church to be led and evaluate the worship performance, and we miss the point entirely. Think about the difference between going to a concert hall or a banquet hall. Or maybe this idea of being a cruise ship or a battleship. You've heard that before, right? Well, if you go to a concert hall, what are you going to do? You go to a concert hall and you show up as a passive observer and a critic, looking to have your preferences and your needs somehow met or or scratched, right? It's all about what you experience. It's all about what you want to see or do. But if it's a banquet hall, it's different. It's a communal gathering where we come hungry together, ready to participate and to share the experience with one another. You know, on a cruise ship, it's all about your needs being met, whatever you want. On a battleship, you have a mission. In a concert hall, you're an observer, but in a banquet hall, you're part of the communal uh, gathering. You experience that. Together, And that's what worship is really about. It's first and foremost about God, about recognizing who He is and what He has done, and then responding appropriately. Our gatherings on Sunday should be the culmination of the week of worship you've experienced in your life Monday to Saturday. It should be where we get to come together and celebrate what God's been doing in your life all week long. It's not the one time a week you think about God or think about truths about God It's the celebration of all the ways he's walked with you, guided you, shown his mercy to you, loved you as you've been on that journey, in that relationship with him. As David showed us in our psalm today, true worship moves from your head to your heart. As you understand who God is and what he's done, you develop that connection with him relationally. As you abide in Jesus, you experience all the ways that his presence in your life have changed you and blessed you. And the more you know of and experience God's presence in your life, the greater your desire to live for him becomes. It's cool how it works. God's economy is really cool. The more you know of him, the more you realize your need for him, the more you want to worship him and obey him. That's the ultimate measure of true worship. It goes from your head to your heart, and it culminates in action. 
And I want to repeat something I said earlier. Because there is no greater way to share the life-changing truth of Jesus than worship that is lived out and unapologetically declares the greatness of God in all aspects of our lives. That's why a true understanding of worship is critical. That's why things like worship catalysts are vital. It's not just a way to have nice music in churches. It's because worship and the expression of it, the understanding of it, is the greatest way for people to know and experience Jesus. It gets the message out. It's not about keeping it in. It's not for us. It's about expressing who God is to the world. So what is your understanding of worship? True worship goes from head to heart to action. It feeds the ultimate mission of showing the world the truth of Jesus. Is worship stuck in your head? Is that as far as it's gotten for you? Like a bad song the preacher of the day made them play for the first few minutes before the service started, right? Is it stuck in your head? Then today your next step is to commit to pursuing your relationship with God outside these walls. Let worship be something. Let your life sing Monday through Saturday, and then let this be a celebration of who God is and what he's done in your life during the week. Is worship in your heart, meaning you are growing, you are walking with God, but you're holding back. It's not leading you to action. You have this relationship, but it's just still about you. Your next step is surrender. That, that verse in Romans 12, to be a living sacrifice, someone that gives God total control because God has things he wants to do in you. God has things he wants to do through you. And that's all part of your spiritual act of worship. Maybe today you're here and everything we've talked about makes no sense at all. Seems completely disconnected from reality. Maybe you realize you've never begun that relationship with God. You've never started that walk with him. You've never surrendered your life to the saving power of Jesus. So your next step would be to talk to someone today about what it means to follow Jesus for the first time. That's why we exist. That's what worship's about. So that you can see the difference Jesus makes in us, the difference knowing him makes in our lives, and you can realize through God's conviction, through the power of his Holy Spirit, that it's something that you need. You'll never be complete without Jesus in your life. God created it that way. Relating to him, knowing him, being right with him is what you were created to be and how you were created to live. But it can only happen through the saving power of Jesus. I'll be right over here by the baptism tub. I'd love to talk to you about that as we start to respond to him, as we start to worship and declare his greatness celebrate who he is and what he's done in us. As Austin and the, and the band come back up, I'm going to pray. But as we do every week, we want this to be about you and God, these next few moments, about connecting with him, saying yes to him. What is it that he's put on your heart? What is it that he's said to you? Be ready to say yes to him over these next few moments. God, thank you so much for the privilege of worship. For the privilege of knowing you, for the privilege of being on this journey with you, for the privilege of having a relationship with you, for the privilege of giving us music, an incredible tool to express what's in our heart, to express the truths we know about you. But God, also to, to put that song in our hearts so that we live lives that are different, so that we give ourselves to things like 
worship catalyst, to serving people in our community, to reaching out to our neighbor who we know is having a hard time, to taking a welcome bag to someone that just moved in to the neighborhood that just says, hey, welcome. To treat one another with love. God, to express who you are in all that we do. We want to be about you. And so, God, I just pray in these next few moments, as we sing these songs, as we talk about building our life on the foundation of who you are, that we would understand that is a true act of worship, a true thought, a true way to think about worship. It's all about you living in and through us, expressing who you are, your greatness. You deserve the glory, no one else. So God, I pray all the attention of our hearts would be on you and that you would do what only you can do in these next few moments. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.